Welcome to Trust Issues, a podcast by Kepler Trust Intelligence. Please be aware that there can be a time lag when we release podcasts, meaning time-sensitive information may no longer be accurate at the time of publication. Also note that past performance is not a reliable indicator of future results. The value of investments can fall as well as rise, and you may get back less than you invested when you decide to sell your investments. It's strongly recommended that if you are a private investor, independent financial advice should be taken before making any investment or financial decision. Finally, Kepler Partners LLP has a relationship with the company covered in this podcast, which may impair its objectivity. We hope you enjoy the program. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Trust Issues. Today, I'm sitting down with Nicholas Todd, one of our analysts on the Kepler Trust Intelligence team to talk about multi-manager funds and what they offer investors. There's also an opportunity for you to submit questions in advance of our live webinar event with Stuart Gray from Alliance Trust on the 23rd of February. Nick, thanks very much for joining us today. Let's get started with a really simple question. What are multi-manager funds? Hi, Joe. Multi-manager investment trusts, they basically combine the skills um, of a number of underlying managers into a single portfolio. Um, And this is usually constructed by a single manager. Also, uh, they typically offer investors an exposure to the best in class managers um, that are specialists within their respective industries. And and this is achieved through in-house or externally managed strategies. Um, And these can include investments into other ready-made funds, can also include bespoke portfolio mandates um, that are written up for the trust specifically. And these can provide uh, an excellent exposure um, to an otherwise hard to access uh, form of the investment universe. They can provide uh, an ex- exposure to the broader market um, and often looking to neutralize some of the stronger stylistic biases that, are, that have driven returns over the longer term. Um, some of these managers can tilt the portfolio, uh, whether that be value or growth from time to time, and that's through their shorter term tactical asset allocations. Um, but for the most part, I guess. These marginal adjustments are typically founded on longer term strategic asset allocation um, outlooks and ultimately they offer a hard to beat combination of diversification and active management that can provide a core solution for investors seeking a more general market exposure um, whilst also minimising the risk of relying on a sole manager. And how large is the universe of multi-manager investment trusts? So there actually aren't that many available uh, for investors. FNC Investment Trust, which is the claims to have the accolade of the oldest investment trust in the universe. Um, you've also got CT Global Managed Portfolio, which is also uh, managed by Columbia Threadneedle, which has uh, a dual growth and income share class. Um, you have Witan and Alliance Trust, which is managed by the global consultancy firm Willis Towers Watson, who use a, a factor neutral approach relative to the global benchmark. Um, which we'll explain in further detail later in this episode. And that leads nicely on to my next question, which is how the multi-manager trusts have performed. Well, I mean, over the past several years, it's been difficult for a lot of active managers to outperform the market with these significant style rotations uh, and a lack of consistency, especially over the last three or four years. It's been periods where there's obviously been a small number of large caps, mega caps driving market performance and major indices as well. By and large, multi-manager funds have done a good job in, in minimising the impact of the challenges that they faced and highlighting their attractions as core holdings. Their diversification that they've offered uh, has been able to generate decent returns and, and with different areas of their portfolios performing in different, different periods. 
although this has meant at times very short term periods, it has meant that they've underperformed some of the more stylistically focused strategies. Um, but over the longer term, they've been able to offer investors pretty consistent performance. Um, and in some cases, again, protection for capital for investors. So what type of investor might want to consider adding a multi-manager investment trust to their portfolio? We believe they're, they're suited for a longer term investor. So those that are looking for a your one-stop shop um, investment solution, really sort of a fire and forget approach, um, that you could get a broad exposure to the general market. And particularly for investors, they're a little bit more cautious about taking any kind of uh, directional or stylistic view of the market, um, they're able to outsource these allocation decisions to a team of professionals um, that are working alongside them. A lot of these solutions are also pretty active um, rather than the passive solutions that are out there um, and often offering a little bit of alpha generation as well alongside that. And what should investors be thinking about in terms of risk, but also fees? Sometimes there is a little bit higher level of risk because of this active management, but the diversified nature of the product um, can limit the exposure to any single style. Um, so hopefully over the longer term outperforming. This should also minimise the extent of drawdowns as an extreme scenario. So like we saw during COVID, um, etc. Um, but finally, because the multi-manager trust holds all of the assets itself, um, this often results in a single layer of fees. So it's typically lower, uh, lower cost. And that's especially when you're comparing to uh, direct equity allocations uh, and more niche areas of the market, such as private equity. Thanks, Nicholas, for a whistle-stop overview of multi-manager funds. Now we're going to shift our focus to a key player in the multi-manager sector, Alliance Trust. It's one of the largest investment trusts in the AIC global sector, and having started life back in 1888, it's also one of the oldest. As well as navigating difficult market conditions over the last 135 years, it's increased its dividend every year since 1966, an impressive achievement indeed. Nick, could you start us off by providing an overview of the trust and also its investable universe? So Alliance Trust is run by global consultancy firm Willis Towers Watson to a strategy that's uh, unique in the investment trust space, although it's more common amongst institutional portfolios. The team ask between eight and 12 active managers to run highly concentrated portfolios of up to 20 of their best stock ideas. The managers are chosen to have very different strategies and styles, which the managers of ATST blend so they can have a very close geographical and stylistic exposure to the global equity markets. And this is based on uh, the Global Equity Index, the MSCI or Country World Index. And the idea is to be as factor neutral as possible and to let pure stock picking drive, drive the alpha. Could you talk us through some of the benefits to a closed ended rather than open ended structure in this space? There are obviously a number of benefits uh, for investment trusts, I think, uh, compared to the open-ended space. One of them is you obviously get the opportunity to hold more liquid uh, assets um, or niche investments that re require a longer-term holding period, such as private equity um, or alternative investments such as wind farms, distribution hubs, etc. Although these are rarely seen within portfolios such as ATSTs. They can also hold 15% of income. Um, coming from the underlying portfolio that can be kept each financial year in the trust revenue reserves. Um, and through this feature, they can provide a more stable, predictable stream of income uh, through their dividend payments, which for many multi-manager funds helps protect their long-standing track records of, of dividend growth. 
one of the key features is gearing in, in the portfolio and effectively it allows them to to increase the amount of money available to the manager um, and to gain more exposure to the market and this can have the effect of multiplying returns um, it does also come with the exaggerated risk on the downside if markets do go south finally given that the share prices are, are set by the market um, closed-ended funds can trade at either a premium or a significant discount to the underlying value um, of the portfolio or the NAV value of the portfolio. And should this narrow, it can provide a little bit of an added kicker to returns um, as a discount typically converges to NAV over the long term. Um, although we wouldn't advocate this as a, a single reason to invest in any trust, as we see some of them can be quite sticky. I'd like to move on to performance next. Could you talk us through how Alliance Trust has performed over the last few years and also some of the key drivers behind this? The managers do aim to provide a core strategy, which has been capable of performing across the market cycle, particularly impressive over what has been a volatile three, five year period. Um, the factor neutral balanced exposure has allowed for stock picking though to be the key driver. Particularly over the last five years, ATST has outperformed its benchmark, the MSCI Acqui All Country World Index, and the average of the global sector over one, three and five years. This has been particularly impressive given the fact that um, ATST has a significant underweight to the so-called Magnificent Seven um, compared to the benchmark indices and other strategies within the peer group. And how has the trust factor neutral approach affected recent performance? I think ATST's more neutral approach can mean, um, as I said, it can lag during times where there are some strong stylistic biases driving market returns, such as in 2020 um, in the growth rally that followed COVID. Um, that said, the strategy has held up particularly well since the start of 2022 uh, with its diversification, allowing it to benefit from the cyclical rally and also the value orientated allocations offsetting the impact of some of the more challenging macroeconomic conditions um, that have impacted these growthier strategies that outperform then. A lot of the underlying managers have had their turn uh, to shine and have contributed at different points throughout the cycle. Um, with 2023 highlighting this as, as quality focused strategy from Volcan Value Partners, for example, was outperforming um, across the year. Uh, and this has been thanks to holdings in private equity groups uh, and, and growth focused SGA holdings in Workday, Mercado Libre, for example, they've also performed as well towards the latter end of the year. But ultimately, investors get the benefits and the focus of that stock picking element, um, which has proven to generate these additional performance returns, particularly versus the benchmark. Um, and the manager diversification helps dampen that risk and volatility over the longer term. Looking at some of the individual positions um, in the portfolio, uh, we look at Alphabet and Amazon, they've provided an equally positive contribution to holdings in the likes of Petrobras, Baidu and Mercado Libre um, over the first half of 2023. And how does Alliance Trust portfolio differ from those of its peers? Uh, the portfolio is a little bit more concentrated uh, compared to its peers. Um, the individual stock holdings are about 200 compared to F&C, for example, that has about 400 stocks. Witan is upwards of 250 stock holdings and CT Global Managed Portfolio, which is a trust of trusts strategy, um, holds a significantly higher number of individual stock holdings also. That factor neutral strategy um, that has remained 
basically the, the consistently neutral over the longer term with this benchmark. Um, other managers have uh, diversified into greater holdings in either value or growth and kept them as more of a tactical allocation. They've also uh, invested into sort of private equity. And this has helped performance um, over some of the periods during the last several years. Um, but over the longer term, ATST's more factor neutral strategy has, has shown, as we discussed in the last question, the performance uh, figures um, are fantastic. I'd like to move on to looking at the portfolio in a bit more detail now. So what are some of the current style exposures that you see within the portfolio? There's high growth allocations, um, which are focused on wealth creating businesses through delegate managers such as Sands Capital. But in addition to SGA, so sustainable growth advisors, which also seeks companies that have really strong pricing power um, and recurring revenue generation and, and also the long runways for growth. Um, However, the high growth strategies of Sands Capital is only around 4% of the portfolio at the minute versus SGA, which holds around 11 in the portfolio. And these are complemented, I suppose, by those value orientated strategies such as Black Creek Metropolis, which focus on identifying businesses that are undervalued by the market and take a little bit more of a contrarian approach. However, all the managers do aim to include the highest quality companies. They're looking for strong balance sheets, uh, which will outperform over the long term. And this will either be through exposure to structural growth trends or a positive re-rating as their fundamental value is realised over the longer term. And can you talk us through any recent changes in how the portfolio is allocated? Over the past year, I think the good returns from some of the growthier managers um, have seen the, the team trim these positions and reinvest them back into more value tilted managers. So, for example, they've added to uh, the typically large cap defensive GQG this year following weaker performance. Uh, meanwhile, they've trimmed allocations to the high beta risk on strategies such as Volcan, Lyrical uh, and Sands Capital and later on also SGA, um, which have also indirectly reduced again their overall exposure to these magnificent seven stocks uh, and it's reduced their underweight, already existing underweight exposure to these stocks. Um, their geographical positions tend to be fairly close to the index, um, as does the sector allocation. However, these are um, underweight allocations to the US and overweight to the UK, which has been maintained for a period of over several years, I guess, highlighting um, the value that the delegate managers are seeing, particularly within the UK. Managers such as Metropolis um, are, are buying back into the former holdings that, that they've had, such as Howden's Joinery. Uh, and also you've got Jupiter, they're seeing valuation opportunities in companies like Nokia, for example, um, on account of like its network and communications businesses. In one of the recent meetings that I had with Stuart, he did note that it was it was hard to see any specific underlying themes uh, developing within the portfolio um, through some of these individual buys and sells of the managers. But we believe it highlights the more diverse sources of returns that ATST can offer that ultimately that's stemming from that fundamental stock picking focus of the managers. I think one of the key criteria in multi-manager funds is the selection of the fund managers themselves. So what approach do Craig, Stuart and Mark take in terms of changing managers if needed? So as we've said, the, the delegate managers are tasked with identifying their very best stock ideas uh, from a bottom up perspective. 
there have been very few occasions where these managers have actually been replaced due to poor performance, for example, or on the odd occasion due to a delegate management company actually ceasing to operate. Um, as we mentioned, these are the long-term building blocks of the portfolio and therefore result in a very low level of manager turnover. And any changes that are made tend to be made um, at the margin, um, looking at the individual weightings of these, of these delegate managers within the portfolio. And these are to reflect the asset allocation decisions made by Craig, Stuart and Mark. Um, and they tend to be periodically rebalanced in order to maintain that limited factor risk exposure versus the benchmark. It would be fair to say that the so-called Magnificent Seven or the big US tech companies have driven the majority of gains in the S&P 500 last year. Does Alliance Trust hold a position in any of these companies? So, I mean, the, the lower allocation to, to growthier managers, like I've said, has already reduced that already underweight exposure um, even further. Um, and although there is evidence of them in the top holdings, um, obviously because they are high quality companies, um, we've got Microsoft, Alphabet, Amazon, NVIDIA, all featuring within the top 10. And these have all been um, at a combined significant underweight to the S&P 500. The weightings are more closely linked to um, the ACQUI with respect to the specific holdings, um, although there isn't uh, an allocation to Apple and Tesla, for example. Um, Microsoft is nearly 7.5% in the S&P for example, whereas it's only about 4% in ATST. Uh, similarly, you've got NVIDIA, which is 4% um, in the benchmark, so within the ACWI, but it's only 2% in ATST. And this is another example of the quality of ATST's delegate managers' stock picks, um, who have collectively been able to deliver strong performance despite having this much lower allocation to these holdings. Beyond these, could you run through some of the broader holdings in the portfolio? If we broaden out the, the individual holdings allocation and we look in the top 20 holdings, for example, um, there's significantly higher allocations to positions in companies like Petrobras, Mercado Libre that I mentioned earlier. You've got Total Energies, companies like Canadian Pacific, for example. Um, and ATST may continue to benefit as investors look to diversify more broadly across the equity landscape rather than this high concentration in these mega caps. It's particularly as, as, as there's the potential for money to, to flow out of index funds um, and into more equally weighted strategies, more diverse strategies, and with actively managed strategies, having better value that can be found outside these names. Alliance Trust recently introduced a dedicated Japanese allocation via Dalton Investments, which is a really exciting development given the performance of the Nikkei over the last 18 months. Could you talk us through Dalton's expertise in investing in Japan? So for ATST, introducing country-specific strategy has been quite unusual, given that they have a more typical focus on global mandates that are more unconstrained rather than country-specific. And Dalton was introduced in July, midway through last year, 2023. The strategy is pretty value-focused, and the managers look to actively engage and exploit some of those mispriced opportunities in what is an under-researched area of the market in Japan. Recent conversations with the managers have said that this was not a macro call, but rather a reflection of Dalton's managers and their ability to identify the high-quality, undervalued stocks that are viewed as having the potential to appreciate over the longer term. The opportunity is, is, is more on the smaller mid-cap area of the market, and the strategy is run by CIO and founder James Rosenwald who established the firm in 1999. 
The team does have offices in Tokyo and a wealth of experience in their in their investment team investing in Asia and Japan. And so they certainly are expected to benefit from having the boots on the ground and providing them with those important opportunities to directly engage with the management, which is really needed in these regions to unlock the shareholder value. And what do you see as some of the tailwinds currently driving strong performance in Japanese equities? There are corporate governance reforms that are gradually leading to the companies becoming more shareholder friendly. The Tokyo Stock Exchange implementing rules insisting companies' disclosures and how they plan to increase the price-to-book ratios and return on equities of above 8%, for example. And the team believes that this should deter companies from, from hoarding substantial cash balances that they have on their balance sheets and lead to greater reinvestment effectively, distributing it to enhance the shareholder value across the business. Also, the macro climate in general in Japan seems a little bit more favourable. Lower interest rates and inflation compared to many Western economies, a weaker currency and relatively cheap valuations, which which make Japan uh, a more attractive place to invest over the long term. Thanks, Nick, for running us through Alliance Trust portfolio. I'd like to move on now to cover some of the other key features of the trust. We mentioned earlier that Alliance Trust has had to navigate some challenging market conditions over the last century and indeed a number of stock market crashes during that time. So what approach does Alliance Trust take in terms of managing risk for investors? In general, the multi-manager strategies are, are typically less risky than the single name portfolios anyway. We've got Craig, Stuart and Mark having a particular focus on minimising ATST's factor risk because that's their main um, risk control that they use and this means they'll only allow negligible deviations from the stylistic risk factors um, of its benchmark the MSCI ACWI. So you can typically expect ATST to to have a similar kind of risk profile to the ACWI and this is achieved through allocation decisions um, rather than through the holdings in the individual delegate managers um, or through any influence at the stock level and Effectively, this minimises the exposure to any one style of investing um, and it can smooth out the peaks and troughs that can be associated with uh, single manager run funds. And that said, it hasn't reduced their ability to add any alpha, as we discussed in the performance earlier on, which, again, helps bolster its credentials as as a core equity strategy uh, and providing that balance to all the risk factors throughout the cycle. But, as we've said, given it that, extra opportunity to to outperform the wider equity market through its bottom-up stock picks. As we mentioned earlier, Alliance Trust has been one of a very small number of trusts that's been given dividend hero status by the AIC for consistently increasing its dividends for more than 50 years in a row. So what does Alliance Trust offer for income-seeking investors? So as we mentioned at the start when we were discussing the trust, there is a dual mandate. So it is capital growth and uh, looking to grow the dividend over the long term. It has provided investors with 56 years of consecutive dividend growth, uh, making it one of only uh, four trusts to hold such a record, I believe. Currently, the the historic dividend yield is about 2.2%, which, given the AIC global sector's kind of weighted average is around 1.2%, I think it offers a fairly good yield compared to that. But it's this consistency. So it's also consistent in the delivery of the dividend as well, which typically includes four roughly equal payments, um, which can enhance the predictability for those seeking a level of income alongside the capital growth. It doesn't have a target yield, hence why it is a little bit lower than income-focused strategies, um, and there's no income target in mind. 
So it is unlikely to suit those that are just looking for pure income. And it has been bolstered by a sharp rise in the income generated in the underlying portfolio over 2022, for example, which has meant the board was able to increase the dividends over 2023. And this made a significant contribution also to the revenue reserve. As we mentioned earlier, the advantage of the trust structure means that the income can be smoothed with, with ATST being able to dip into the significant revenue reserve they have. Um, and this can limit the potential income risks um, in the future. You mentioned earlier that unlike their open-ended peers, investment trusts are able to deploy gearing. So what's Alliance Trust's current level of gearing? For ATST in particular, the gearing is managed by Willis Towers Watson um, and they use gearing, they can utilise gearing of up to around 18% of their net assets at the time of investment. Although um, in extreme circumstances, the board can extend this up to 30% only if they think there's a good enough opportunity to do so, um, given the market opportunities and conditions. But this is very rarely done. And also the rising cost of debt also has to be considered. Um, looking at interest rates now, there aren't very many investment trusts uh, in the multi-manager space or outside of that, indeed, that are looking to renew debt facilities um, anytime soon. Gearing for ATST, like I said, is on the more cautious side, uh, with the average of around 6% over the last five years. Um, and this is just purely a reflection of the volatility in markets at the moment. I think one of the criticism around multi-manager funds, as we've mentioned, can be their costs, particularly in terms of pass-through costs from the underlying fund managers. So how does the fee for Alliance Trust compare against its peer group? Costs for multi-manager trusts do tend to be higher, um, given the charges associated with their underlying managers. Um, but for ATST, it compares favourably against its peers in terms of overall costs. Currently, the OCF is 0.61%, which is below the board's upper bound target of 0.65%. And it is a key performance indicator. We'd like to expect it to be below that, that kind of level over the longer term as well. It's also considerably lower than the 0.75 simple average, I guess, of the global sector as of the start of Feb. However, there's also an opportunity for this to reduce as the trust continues to grow. Um, with a new tiered management fee structure that was introduced um, for the most recent financial year. The theme of 2022 and 2023 was a widening in investment trust discounts. We saw some investors moving into lower risk assets in that higher interest rate environment. And you recently wrote about discounts in some sectors beginning to narrow, which may well signal the start of a shift in investor sentiment towards investment trusts. So with that in mind, how has a discount for Alliance Trust changed over the last 12 months? So Alliance Trust's uh, discount is currently trading around 5.5%, I think, at the time of, of last viewing. There's no formal discount control policy in place. Um, it's one of the board's strategic objectives to maintain a stable discount, um, which has meant that it's not succumbed to the widening of discounts that has been seen over the Investment Trust universe in the last couple of years. Uh, and in fact, it's actually had a long-term average discount of, of about 5.7%. So only 0.22 difference there um, versus its current level. As you said, other global strategies in the sector have, have struggled, um, particularly since the start of 2022, and currently trading at around 11% um, compared to a slightly narrower average of 4.5% over the longer term. That said, um, there may be a longer term ambition for its share price to trade at, at some sort of a premium. Um, however, in the meantime, the board's buyback policy, for example, is very active 
Um, and this has helped maintain that shareholder value and keeping the share price not necessarily close to NAV, but a consistent distance away from NAV over the longer term. And one final question for you, Nick. Looking ahead, what are your views on the outlook for multi-manager funds over the next year? It's a difficult question in saying what's your what's your <laughs> right. outlook for the markets over the next year. <laughs> um, but I think naturally we'll circle back to where we began the conversation and having the merits of a, of a core stylistically neutral strategy as part of anyone's portfolio, I think is a, an important piece in the puzzle to have. And they've definitely demonstrated they've been able to shine, particularly in uncertain environments. I mean, ATST has proven to generate alpha across multiple market environments um, in a risk adjusted manner as well, which is all important. And the bottom up approach is more likely to be favoured uh, in a market where broader based growth may be harder to come by or less directional and the macroeconomic uncertainty looks likely to continue irrespective of the the expected easing of the interest rates over the course of the year. Further impacts from geopolitical tensions um, and a year in the polls as well. We've got the election in the US um, and in the UK towards the end of the year um, and they may also add to market uncertainty. So the focus on the individual companies and the underlyings in the multi-manager structure, I believe, should provide some greater level of stability um, over this period and over the long term as well. It may be a cliche, but the only certainty looks to be continued uncertainty in the year ahead. We're pleased to announce that Stuart Gray from Alliance Trust will be joining us for a live webinar from 12 to 1 p.m. on Friday, the 23rd of February. Stuart will be giving a presentation on the trust as well as you having the opportunity to put your questions to the team. You can register for this event on the Kepler Trust Intelligence website, and we encourage you to submit questions in advance of the webinar via the button at the bottom of this podcast or during the event itself. I'd also encourage you to visit the Alliance Trust website to find out more information. I particularly recommend the big question interviews with the fund managers. There's recent videos on the website on artificial intelligence, one of the recent hot investing topics, and also the impact of higher for longer interest rates on stock picking. We also have a wealth of information available on the Kepler Trust Intelligence website, including Nick's latest research note on the trust. So on that note, I wanted to thank Nick for joining us today, and we hope you join us again soon for another edition of Trust Issues.